Hey family, how are we doing today? Welcome to the main feast, the main course, as my lovely wife declared. It's a pleasure to be with you, to speak with you all. It's been a few weeks, that I've, well, it's been a month and a bit since I've been here by myself. <laughs> Me and my wife have been tag teaming and um, yeah man, today, I haven't got a title yet, probably along the way. It's, it's in between rooted and grounded. I am loved and, 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 and depth and death, and all of that into one. Like, will all make sense in a second. But I believe my wife has already done an excellent, uh, profound job on touching on um, Ephesians chapter three, which is where I want to start today. But um, before I even start, let's, let, let's pray for me, let's pray. Let's ask God to help us. Let's ask God to give us eyes to see. Let's ask God to give us ears to hear. Let's ask God that our hearts are open to receive what he is saying today. Let's ask God to, to, to speak a word in season, to God to give us something today that will quench our thirst and will satisfy our hunger. Let's ask the Father to just bring us something that we need here, right here and right now. Father God, we need you. Holy Spirit, you are the greatest teacher. You are the anointing that teaches us all things. Open up these pages today and breathe life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So like I said before, my wife done an excellent job in expounding upon, you know, Ephesians 3, um, verse 16 or 17, I believe, to 18. I want to follow that trail. Funny enough, that's, the, that's my foundational scripture. But for those of you that were here last week, you would have known that David done a beautiful job of bringing us to another realm of dimension of faith that was the garden of faith and bringing us back to some foundational or I say fundamental beliefs about you know and what faith looks like and how that is built on the foundation of love you know it's even powerful that when Paul speaks this prayer that I'm about to speak he starts it off about he's heard about our faith in Christ and our love for people and these two ingredients are something we see throughout scripture that are very much twins when it comes to the fruitfulness of the life of a believer. They're full of faith and full of love. And we know that I spoke about it in general by faith that love energizes faith. And the only thing that counts in this Christian living is faith exercised or expressed through love. Meaning, you know, faith is our um, is, is is how we live and how we receive from God, and and people encounter the faith we have with God that we have with God through our deeds of love. They will know you by your love for one another, and as you can probably guess, today is about that word called love and how that love ought to radically shift um, our lives. And David does. He echoed this thing about seed and, you know, even that word seed and even today's year's theme is today's seed is tomorrow's harvest. You know, there's an element of you are a seed, meaning first Peter, well, no, you are born of a seed. First Peter 2, 23, 24, Peter tells us that you have not been born again of corruptible seed or imperishable seed, but you've been born again of the incorruptible seed. And that seed is the word of God, the gospel that was preached to you. 
So our born again experience, like it is when you were born through your mother, your dad had sperm, your mum had, um, what's it called, egg, and, 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 and we refer to that as the seed that now became a living being. When we're born again, we're born again of God, we now become a new creation hallelujah but the number that mentioned to seed as well whereby you know um, um we're born off this new seed but we are also a seed from god the bible talks about um seed being the word and god talks about his word that he has spoken can't return void we understand that jesus in his last days hebrews 1 verse 2 jesus is 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 god speaking to us god spoke to us in these last days through his son jesus so jesus was a word that became flesh we have the same parallel so we are words from god that can't return to god's words hallelujah and also the third dimension of seed is that god has given us seed the bible says god gives seed to the sower and these seeds are like our gifts or ways we express, you know, what it is that the grace in our lives that God's given to us throughout the world. So you're born of a seed, the gospel, the word. Come on. You are a seed from God and you have seeds from God as well in your hands. I'm echoing all of these things because in Ephesians chapter 3, and if we parallel how God started in the beginning, he planted man in a garden. And here we see the language that Paul uses that we have been, Ephesians 3 verse 17. Uh, where is it on my screen here? That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We spent the whole month discussing that. So by faith, we believe in Christ and we are saved. Hallelujah. Then he says, okay, now that you're saved, now that you believe, now it's time to get rooted and grounded in love. Now, let's talk garden talk today, people of God. Seeds are buried in the ground. God was teaching Adam the laws and the principle of nature and life. He was teaching Adam seed time and harvest. He was teaching Adam, I can't put you in a city where they have microwaves and instant stuff. I need to put you in a garden so that you understand that it's by faith and patience. Because how many of you know that it takes time for seed to grow, to become a tree? That you inherit the promises of God. I need to teach you what it means to grow and to flourish. I need to teach you what it means to be, this word patience is my word right now, as you guys probably hear, that what it means to be patient. Psalms 27 says, I would have fainted if I had not seen the goodness of God in the land of living. But I have learned this one thing. I ought to wait on the Lord and say to my heart, be of good courage. Expect from the Lord for he will fulfill his promise. And we can come out of the by faith series not really experiencing so much about what God has done for us and miss out the work that God is doing in us. And the Bible says that though you go through many trials and temptations, you ought to have in need of patient, patience, sorry, endurance. And this patient endurance has to have its full work in you that you may be perfect, lacking no good thing. 
Meaning, before we get, we become. Meaning, how much better is it that God makes you into a conduit and a custodian of someone that can produce wealth rather than just, you know, being a genie that, that gives you wealth? Prayer is the school of patience. Communion is the realm of patience. Through patience, God is perfecting us. Why am I echoing this strong, guys? Because God has called us to be rooted and grounded in love. Meaning this love that God has for us has to be an ongoing experience that continually overwhelms us. I, I echoed in general faith that I said to God, I need more faith. He said, no, son, you need to taste and drink deep of my love. Love energizes faith. So how does this fit with today's seed, tomorrow's harvest and being planted and rooted? What's this got to do with all of that? I've, I've come to more realisation week by week, day by day. The more deeply rooted I am in God's love, the more secure I am in life in whatever comes my way. The more I get an understanding of what it means to live by faith because love endures all things. Love bears all things. Love hopes in all things. Love cannot and never fails. So God set us up to never fail to always hope, be of good faith, be of good courage through this reservoir called love. And when I was deep in it, I was like, you know what, if I'm a seed that's been called to be rooted and grounded in love, there's, there's, there's something about me becoming dead and buried. And I was reminded about the word I gave about die, die, die. <laughs> Jesus laughing again. <laughs> and I... And, and I wanted to say, Lord, what is the mirror between my death and your love? And, 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 and there's a scripture in Song of Solomon. Because I believe this is the word of the Lord for us in this hour. Because we're entering into a time of what is happening in the dark is coming to the light. And seeds being buried is in a dark place. There's no light. It's dark. It's in the ground. You can't even see it. But its potential is boundless. The Bible says in Songs of Solomon, verse 6 to verse 7. Let me read it in the ESV first before I go to the Passion Translation. It says, set me as a seal upon your heart, as a seal upon your arm, for love is as strong as death. Jealousy is as fierce as the grave. It flashes our flashes of fire, the very flame of God. Verse 7, many Waters cannot quench love. Neither can floods drown it. If a man offered for love all the wealth of his house, he would be utterly despised. God is mirroring his love for me and you as strong as death. You know what he's saying here? Ayo, all of you are bound to die one day. Naturally speaking, yeah, we're gonna. There's a time to born and time to die. Ecclesiastes chapter, chapter three. And as certain as you have been born that you will die, is as certain as my love is for you. It can't change. He says, jealously as fierce as the grave. Meaning that this love that he has for you is unwavering. It's as demanding as it is 
the grave. The grave right now is demanding that all of you who were born of Adam must die. Therefore, God's love is as demanding as that all of you that are my sons, I love you regardless. This love is as strong as death. And we know that when we become new creations, God echoes this parallel between denying yourself, picking up your cross and following. I broke it down before. God's calling us to to replicate Christ who died and was buried and resurrected. Baptism is our old man going into the grave, hallelujah, the watery grave, and then we come out a new man. All of that is the act and the process called love. Now let's deep it a bit more because verse 7 says many waters cannot quench this love. Neither can floods drown it. I echo to you guys in December about um, Luke chapter 6 about foundations. And the Bible says that it's, not, uh, that it's those who do my words that are like wise men who dug deep <laughs> and laid a foundation and then built the house on the rock. The Bible says many waters cannot quench this love. The foundation, beloved, the digging deep, beloved, the call unto deep, unto deep, beloved, is into the reservoir of the love of God. It is unwavering, it is sturdy. The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. His mercy did never come to an end. That is the root and the ground and the foundation upon which we are building upon. That is where God wants me and you to be buried. That's where he wants us to die, aka deny yourself. There is a divine exchange. If we like it or not, salvation is a life for a life. And God's saying, I want to exchange my life for your life. Surrender. That's what surrender is, guys. Is that if he's gave his life, the little thing that I can do is give him my life. And when we surrender with the revelation of God's love, it becomes a reasonable act of service. And more times when we hear surrender, die to yourself, all these things, the flesh roars because we are trying to do things that we have no desire to do. We're trying to do things that our discipline cannot do. We're trying to do things that we do not have the power to do because we have not yet received an understanding or the revelation of the love of God. And I believe that with us being buried, with a foundation being dug deep, the deeper and the stronger the foundation, the higher the building. Let me declare unto you, the deeper your death and burial, the, the, the higher the height of your calling. You know, Jesus had to first descend before ascending. The way up in the kingdom, beloved, is going down. Let's get rooted and grounded in his love. Let's come to a place where we die from our old man into the new man. Something has to give. 
something has to give. So if I was to even contextualise this rooted and grounded in love, and if we were to mirror this rooted and groundedness being the place of a seed being buried in the dirt, in the soil, I could mirror the place of dark being in place of secret. Matthew 6 talks about when you pray, go into your room, shut your door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. For your father who sees in secret rewards openly. For the father who sows a seed in the field and waters it and the sun shines upon it, that seed that was not apparent to the naked eye becomes a tree over time. Beloved, this is a time to get shut in. This is a time to allow this season of obscurity and, and, and secret and being in the dark to be a time where God begins to mould and to shape the vessel that you are to become. Anybody great in the Bible had this time. Let's look at David. And the beautiful thing about David is that his name means beloved. In Hebrew, they pronounce it the Havit. And we understand that before David's stone killed Goliath, which is a mad, impossible thing, by the way, guys, David was fighting bears and lions in the secret. There was a day ordained for David and a day ordained for you, beloved, where God will bring you into the light. The scripture says, arise and shine. Why? For your light has come. The appointed time for your appearance has come. But to the degree that that appearance is successful is to the degree of what you was doing in the dark. How deep was your burial? How deep are you in the love of God? How what, did you f ignore those private battles? Did you neglect them? Or did you stay the course and defeat that which was in secret? Because what I'm beginning to see now is that many of us will reach our heights so what our gift can do. But that place of height will also reveal what is behind the gift. And if we're not careful, what we've failed to deal with in the secret, God is faithful to bring it to the light. David had confidence to defeat Goliath because David had history in a place called secret. David was able to look at him and, and say, you uncircumcised. Look at him. Look, look how he's talking. He's talking about covenant. And he called him a Philistine. Who are you to taunt the armies of the Lord? That level of confidence only comes from a level of relationship that is deep with God. His confidence was not of himself. He was a midget facing a giant. But David had some battles in secret that he had overcome. David understood that it's not me, but God who is with me. Or actually in me. That's going to defeat this uncircumcised Philistine. David's public victory was undergirded with secret successes. And I believe when a time where God wants us to be buried, guys, He wants us to die, guys, 
and he wants that burial and that death to be the place of exchange with his love in where we can come with full assurance and confidence that the God who has called me is the God that has sent me and ordained me and my time is now to shine and that which he has ordained in me shall manifest. David took five stones, took one at the stone and licked him, gone and cut off his head. Since when did stones kill giants, people? But it wasn't the stone that killed a giant. It was the God of David. <laughs> it was the God of David. It was the God of David. Love is a call to lay it down. And in secret, David was laying down. David was pursuing the heart. David was in a place of intimacy with the Father. And before his time came, he was already made. He had grown the stature. Though in natural we couldn't see it, in the invisible realm, he was a giant that flinged the stone that killed the physical giant. And on that day, David's time had begun. Now I believe we're coming into a season where our time has begun. Our time has become. Your time needs your God. And the depth of you knowing your God was what the times will reveal about what you can do with your God. So the life of secret is a life of prayer and communion and devotion. Is what I say is we're being brought into the chambers of his love. It's where God deals with the intricacies of our hearts. I mean, we get to know the Father on the intimate level. We get to hear what to do and say, the fatherhood of God. We hear, we see in Psalms 91, another Psalm of David. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High. He who dwells, not visits. He who dwells, not visits. In the secret place of the Most High shall abide. Wow. Under the shadow of the... Are you seeing the language being used here, beloved? The secret place ought to be dwelt. And in your dwelling, you produce a, 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 an arena of your life where you actually abide. So when you read John 15 about abide in me and I in you, when you read John 15 about abide in my love and my love abide in you, that's what is the foundation of your prayer life ought to look like. Is a love relationship being nurtured? Once again, we're seeing the essence of branches and, 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 and trunks and trees and fruit. God is teaching us again that the, the, the growth on, on your stature is, 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 is representable in nature. The time and the depth and the degree that we are dwelling and abiding is what will come out of us. He says, apart from me, you can do nothing. There's this thing that I'm beginning to understand more and more in being buried and, be, and, and dying and this love of God is that God is inviting us into a swirl, into a union in where if we can choose to dwell and choose to abide, things in us that we never knew in us will begin to unearth. Despise not the days of your secret time, beloved, and heed the calling to abide and to dwell in Christ. When you see Matthew 6, the model of prayer, and he warns us, don't pray like those who pray in public, for they have received their reward already. He's teaching us that we ought to be careful that our Christian living doesn't become a thing of performance of look at me. Mm -hmm. 
That's why he takes time to deal with us in the dark. Because by the time you come out, it's no longer you that lives. Like Paul said, I no longer live. It's Christ who lives in me. This, 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 this body that I live in, is I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself up for me. So we keep seeing the mirror that the beauty of the union is to the degree that I have died to myself. That the flourishing of the union with Christ is that it's no longer I, it's no longer me, it's no longer what I can, it's my union with Christ. And that union with Christ can only happen if we actually die and get buried and allow that process of time and, and fellowship and communion to allow us to grow and to blossom to that tree that we see in Psalms 1. And the pattern remains the same. We've got to be in this word day and night. We've got to pray day and night. There's this consistency, this flowing, this abiding, this dwelling that ought to be consistently happening that will make us to be like a tree who bears fruit in every season. That's oxymoron. Trees have seasons. But the Bible says that you'll be a tree who will bear fruit in every season. Whatever you do will prosper. Your leaves will never wither. God says, I'm bringing you into a life with me in that in me is from glory to glory to glory. From January to December. I know the laws of nature have winter and summer and spring, but in the kingdom, to the degree I that you are united with me in every season of your life, you will bear fruit. Even if I prune you, aka take some stuff away, is that you may bear more fruit. Loss in the kingdom is gain in God. The gospel of losing your life, you may gain his life. So we have a quarter of our discipleship that says, deny yourself. And I want to strongly encourage you that that denying yourself is God calling you to get deeper into his love. Sometimes we can preach it and it can sound like, oh man, I've got to stop this, stop that. So, yeah, we can do the stopping stuff, amen, stop sinning. But greater than stop sinning, how does stop sinning? By allowing the love of God to enter your life. We only love him first because he first. Loved us. So I, I'm being more enamored by every single week that God's call to me is drink deeply of this reservoir called love. Because it's from this place, Ayo, in where you are being buried. It's in this place, Ayo, when you choose to abide and dwell in the vine. You choose to abide and dwell in my love that you begin to bear much fruit. That you begin to look more like me. And you begin to understand and, and, and begin to come into a place of actualization and where I can say, Satan, have you considered my servant? Where I can send you as sons into the earth to reap of the harvest. Where I can say, look, the time of the sons of God to be unveiled has now come. But we understand this pattern. God deals with us first in the dark. Jesus had how many years? 13 or 14 years that we don't know what happened in the dark. Age 30, he bounced onto the scene. What's the first words we hear? This is my beloved son. 
Maybe he spent those first 30 years of his life just being saturated in the love of God. He got called beloved before he did anything. So we know that this, this love was not performance driven. But it was his love for God that enabled him to live a lifestyle of obedience that performed the works of God. Let's get the order straight, beloved. God calls us first unto himself. God forges himself into us and us into him. And God sends us out. Another element of understanding this place of being buried and being rooted and grounded is that seed holds the potential to grow a tree and out of that tree it produces fruit which also has seed in it. God's saying, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains a grain of wheat. But if it dies, it produces more fruit. What am I saying? This secret place, this place in the dark, this burial place in the love of God, is that God is bringing into a place of fruitfulness and multiplication. The beauty of Jesus ascending and leaving us and the whole point of greater works he would do is that Jesus had to go to the Father, that the promise of the Father, aka the Holy Ghost, may come. And the beauty of the Holy Ghost is that Jesus is able to be in many of us, in many places at the same time. Jesus right now is in China, in Brazil, in America, Nigeria, Congo, Mozambique, New Zealand, he has seed across the whole earth. His death was multiplying us to now become sons of God. How about we understand that the burial and the rooting and the grounding carries potential beyond our understanding. That though God gave Abraham a promise, a son, the promise was more than Isaac, it was to see. And out of Abraham is Ayo, Susan and Tosan and Michaela. Once again, the act of obedience, once again, his ability to believe from God produces many more benefits for the lives, generations, years after him. I gave you guys a word a few weeks ago. I believe we're in a Kairos moment. Where if we can obey what we ought to obey in this window, things that take 10 years could take one year. There's a scripture in Isaiah 66. It talks about a woman gave birth before she travelled. That's impossible. It talks about uh, 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 can a nation be born in one day? <laughs> no, fam, it takes like a couple of centuries, a couple of decades. Yet that's the impossibility that God can do with a man who chooses to believe in him. Abraham was that, Isaac was that nation born in one day because that Isaac became Israel. <laughs> Jesus was that one that was able to give birth before because look at us all now, sons of God. There are things that by faith we cannot understand in our human mind that God wants to do for you and I. But I'm keep getting reminded there is a pattern. And the same Lord that saved my soul has called me to follow his example. The same beloved son of God 
is calling me to follow his example. And he's saying, Ayo, this new life, this new thing I want to do in you, it requires the old to be exchanged. It, this, this new thing I'm doing in you, that old man, he has to die. This new thing that I want to do in your life is coming at a price, your old way of living. So when Susan talks about our frustrations and our anxieties, and what we, God says in his word, those things ought to be cast upon him. There ought to be a divine exchange of him. I'm not saying never going to be frustrated and all those things, but that's why we have a place called prayer, where we pray about everything. Come on. Where we, where we, where we, where we pray and give God thanks in all things, where, where we get to reignite and re-engage with what God is saying to us, where we get to quiet our souls and receive from the Father. You see, once again, that which is done in secret prepares us for what shall come in the light. It's all a swell, guys. That's why Jesus would often go away in secret to pray in the mountaintops. What was the source, Ayo? What was the secret element of his life, Ayo? He had fellowship and communion with the Father constantly. Everything I see my Father do, I would do. Where could he see it, God? Was he in heaven? It was his place of prayer. Anything I hear my Father say, that's what I ask. How, guys? He was in the place of prayer. Paul called it praying without season. Where you don't always pray in secret. Come on. You come into a life of prayer where you continue in ongoing conversation with God. Once again, God's does not looking for set times. He's looking for a lifetime. He wants to do this with you all the time. So when we are echoing, I am loved by God. And, and this thing is rattling me more and more every day. Even this, even this morning. Even this morning when I was even praying, writing my general prayer, I said, Lord, my commitment to you is that you will always come. And when I said that, I thought, oh no, is, I meant to say that I will always come to you. But the Holy Spirit said, no. Your commitment to God is that God will always come to you. Meaning, we still got, and I still got an attitude, let me, let me put me in there, where I still feel I've got a work to get. But yet, God is the giver of all good gifts. His faithfulness and his love towards us is that he will always come to us. Why am I echoing this word, come? Because we, I don't want you guys to hear what I'm saying and try harder. I want you guys to hear what I'm saying and believe that God is already with and for you. And this drawing there is not so much of like, I've got to do something more, is that I've got to become aware that he's already here. When you look at that word drawn there, it, it has connotations to the, the direction of what you're actually facing. Maybe drawn there means just turn aside and see. Moses, he saw a great fire and, and a great fire. The, the tree was on fire, but yet it was not consumed. And the Bible said that he turned aside to see. And God said, take off your shoe. This is a holy ground. Maybe drawing there means stop living life, doing it your way and turn aside and look at God and follow his way. 
Maybe drawing there is an element of I'm lacking sensitivity and awareness of the God who is already there. Because there is big danger, guys, where if we don't allow ourselves to be buried and allow self to die, and the biggest danger of this thing is that the Bible warns us not to be like Cain. Cain was a man that lived for self. Abel was a man that lived for God. And Cain hated Abel only for two reasons. His deeds were evil and, Cain and Abel's ways were good. And the Bible warns us. Let me read the scripture. Just to give, we'll give some good foundation. It says, you have heard this message from the beginning. Thank you. We should love one another. Verse 12. Do not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Do not be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we what? We love each other. And anyone who does not love remains in death. How does it look to what I'm saying right now? The, 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 the failure to actually no longer die to yourself. Because remember, before you're saved, we're technically dead in sin. When we get saved, we're now alive in God. But even being alive in God, God still takes us through the process of sanctification, which is us dying to self. He says here that when we don't choose to love, we're choosing self. And when we choose self, automatically, when we know that we don't, when we don't get our way of what we're doing, when somebody else like Susan begins to prosper, hatred begins to happen. Because we now see somebody else prospering in another way in which we aren't prospering. Therefore, now we become haters. Or, or, or Bible says here, murderers. Because anybody that hates his brother is a murderer. Paul warns us, if we don't walk in the spirit, we will end up being jealous and envy of one another. And we will start fighting amongst each other. Because we're no longer walking in the same way, but two different ways. That's why John said, don't be surprised if the world hates you. They don't know God. And because they don't know God and they've seen you live for God, there's tension. It's Isaac and Ishmael. There's tension. And beloved, most church tension is that people are doing it God's way and not doing God's way and therefore there's fights and quarrels and what the Bible says, there's quarrels amongst you because you're carnal. You have Ill, Ill motives. So this is a warning. Even to us at a and let's bring it all the way home. Some of us will choose to obey, some might not. When the quarrelling starts, and God forbid, but when it starts, let's check that one. The quarrelling ain't really about Ayo, ain't about Michaela. It's about, did I obey or did I not obey? And that distinction of obedience, that, that, that refusal to obey the command, which was to love one another, builds up strife. Builds up envy, causes us to become like murderers. Because check verse 16. This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. Once again, we're seeing the pattern here. The way we ought to be living is laid in our lives, not just for God now, but for one another. My goodness. Anybody that says they love God and hate above is a what? A liar. So I'm seeing some patterns here where. The, 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 the command and demand is love. 
And it comes at the price of laying down my life. But remember, when we encounter the love of God, surrendering our lives, the love of God makes it worth it all. It actually allows us to do it with joy. So your obedience struggle, your strife struggle, our contention struggle is a love problem. It's a love problem. It's just Cain and Abel all over again. And these are the first two kids in the Bible. So God has shown us what it looks like for one to follow and one not to follow. Two kids, brothers, you know, same mum, same dad. But at that time, when it came for God to reward them according to what they gave him, God was pleased with Abel and was not pleased with Cain. And imagine Cain didn't fight God, he fought his brother. I won't go into that one sermon today. I love I've got left five minutes. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, the lesson from Cain and the fact that the Bible is warning Christians to not be like Cain lets me know that it is possible to be saved and still live in self. It's possible to be a churchgoer and not a disciple. It's possible to believe that he rose from the dead but not live a life for him. It's possible to possess gift and not actually possess the life of the gift. You know, I was reminded of the story of the woman at the well. And many of us are like this woman. We're doing madnesses behind closed doors. But we're talking about our daily business, aka drawing water from the well. I mean, then we meet a man called Jesus who tells us what we've been doing. And we're just so carnal, we're, we're, we're wild by his gift that he's able to tell them what we're doing in secret. And she said to the man, what she said to him, she said, I perceive you are a prophet. She, she, she just camped Jesus along with Elijah and Moses. And he's like, someone here greater than a prophet, darling, this water that you're drawing from, if you drink of me, you will never ever thirst again. What am I saying here? Are we settling for what God can do for us? Or are we going to settle for the gift that God really gives to us, which is eternal life? He said, woman of God, because I told you about your husbands, you perceive I'm a prophet. If you knew who was before you, the gift of God, you would drink of me and never thirst again. You have a first issue because you have six men, but if you have me, you will need no man ever again. And I've clocked that we can be enamoured by power and forsake power for the union that we can have with Christ. He was inviting her to a new life. And in that same chapter, see, her story, her message was still the same thing. Come and see a man who told me whatever I did. Beloved, prophetic is not about just telling you what you would do and what you become. The prophetic gift ought to point us to Christ. The spirit of prophecy is what, guy? The testimony of Jesus. Why am I echoing this thing here? So I don't want you guys just to come to A&T based on the euphoria of the Sunday moment. The Sunday moment, there's something more that it's supposed to do. This corporate encounter ought to thrust in you a desire for a personal encounter. This corporate moment ought to thrust in you a desire for a personal moment with Jesus day after day. You are not enamoured by the prophetic powers. You are enamoured by the one who is the prophetic power. His name is Christ. And the call of the gospel is to come. 
even if you feel that like you can't bury yourself, my Bible tells me that he said, come unto me, all of you who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. The Bible tells me, come and buy with no money, drink that will satisfy. It tells me that the exchange here is free. Even more, the exchange here that was required for me to be buried and grounded and rooted in his love is what he does to me. He will make me to lie down in green pastures. Recognize it. He will make me lie down in green pastures. That same Ephesians 3 from verse 17, before he talks about being rooted and grounded in love, he says that I pray that God through his spirit will strengthen your inner man. Even the strength I need to obey and to do the right thing comes from him. And beloved, I want to call you into a lifestyle of abiding in him. Apart from me, you can do nothing. I will make you lie down. In fact, that like you're dead, I will bury you. And I will resurrect you into a new life. This work of being rooted and grounded is a work that God does in us. What do you have to do? Believe. What do you have to do? Just come. Respond. What do you have to do? Just come. Believe and know that God is with you and for you. And sometimes our minds can't fathom the easiness of this thing. That's why it's called grace, beloved. That's why none of us can boast. That's why we can tell you from now on that it's not I, but the grace of God that is with me. So I want to thrust you, A&T, into a time of praying in secret. I want to thrust you into a time of, of living life in the dark. I want to thrust you into a time of allowing yourself to get buried and rooted and deep into the love of God. I want to thrust you into a time of building secret history with God. I want to thrust you into a time of, 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 of going through the process of the spirit and the word, the water and the sun raining upon your lives and causing that seed to flow. I want to thrust you into, a, into the process of God and where God is more enamored by what you become than what he's given to you. God's given us stuff. Don't get it twisted. We need what he gives to us. But the goal is that you know him. Eternal life is that you may what? Know me. Look like me and reflect me in Jesus' name. So I'm going to end in prayer. I'm going to ask that the love of God begins to overwhelm us. I'm going to pray that the love of God begins to swell us. I'm praying the love of God begins to woo us. That even if all of us together are like prodigals who have gone and wasted inheritance and think there's nothing left for me, let me come and live amongst pigs that we will see the Father from afar looking out for us with arms wide open. Even the, that, that, that Luke 15 talk about the Father ran halfway towards him. Father, we ask today that our eyes will be open to see that your arms are wide open. That you have robe of righteousness in exchange for our rags. You have a feast of table to feed us from our hungers and our thirst. Father, today I'm asking that you would take A&T into a time and a season, oh God, and where we will get deep in God, buried in God, buried and rooted and grounded in you, that we'll begin to live life from the source of love, that you will deliver us from performance, deliver us from, from trying, deliver us from, from proving ourselves, 
deliver us from working, deliver us from, from striving, deliver us from all these things that cannot attain what you freely give to us. That whatever it is in our hearts and our minds that is warring against the love of God, whatever it is in our hearts and minds that is not allowing us to receive the love of God, that Father, you will erase it even now in the name of Jesus. Father God, we say yes to the call of the deep. We say yes to the call to lay down our lives. We say yes to the call to walk in love. And today we pray that when our day comes and our light comes, oh God, where you have ordained us to arise and to shine, oh God, that we will arise and shine in the fullness of your stature, oh God. Men and women of God who are ready, oh God, to go and reap of the harvest, oh God. In Jesus' holy and anointed name we have prayed, amen. Beloved, amen, amen, amen. I want to thank you for being with us today once again. My name is Ayokuno Duni, founder of A New Thing London. We appreciate you. If you enjoyed that, just give me some fire and, 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 and I don't know what hashtag to say today. Hashtag burial. <laughs> In the comments today. Hallelujah. Your striving problem is a love problem. Oh, wow. Yes, baby. Indeed it is. Hallelujah. <laughs> Sorry, God, I didn't see in the comments as I was speaking today. Hallelujah. Amen. Beloved, once again, let's say yes to this call of prayer. If you, if you missed out this midweek session, I invite you to go back and watch it and do the assignment. You can start tomorrow. We're reading John 13 to 17. Once again, those chapters will swell on the love of God and the call to a life of prayer and living in the Holy Ghost. But without further ado, I want you guys to have a beautiful Sunday. A&T family, I'm going to see y'all in the catch-up sessions right now. Hallelujah. Amen. And we'll see y'all next week at 12 p.m. Blessings. <laughs>